You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Gracious God, thank you for erasing the word if through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm talking about Luke chapter 12, verse 32, which is the first verse in today's gospel. So if you want to look at it while I say it, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Will you all just say it with me? Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I mean, has there ever been one verse that is packed into it so many promises? First of all, fear not. Think of all the places in the Bible where angels say that to folk like you and me. Think of all the places in the Bible where Jesus says fear not to folk like you and me. And then, little flock. I mean, what an endearing, sweet term of affection for a mom or a dad. Little flock. And then, it is your father's good pleasure. It's not your father's duty. It's not your father's pleasure. It's your father's good pleasure. And finally, to give you the kingdom. And specifically, to give you, little flock at the Advent, the kingdom that he has in mind for you right now. And that's what this, this sermon's about. Let me go back up so I can look at my notes and ask the question, what is this kingdom that Jesus is talking about? Well, it has to do with a place called Kadesh Barnea. Now, I know this is a really biblically literate congregation. I'm still seeing a few blank stares when I say Kadesh Barnea. So let me tell you about it. It is a town that was located about 90 miles south of Jerusalem, but it has not existed for more than 2,000 years. It did exist because of its location. It was right beside an oasis. And so it, it, it was a, a kind of a pit stop uh, in a trade route between Africa and Europe and Asia. But it was hot, it was small, it was dirty, it was in the middle of the desert. Most people never heard of it. Nobody went there unless they had to. And it disappeared from the face of the earth a long time ago. So why should Kadesh Barnea be a household word for everyone at the Advent. Why is another name for Kadesh Barnea Birmingham? Well, it's because of something that happened there, and it had to do with Moses. You remember, Moses led the people out of Egypt. They went across through the Red Sea, and then they went into the wilderness toward the promised land that was named Canaan. And really early on, they came to Kadesh Barnea. And when they got there, Moses said to the people, look, we're just a few miles south of Canaan, and I'm going to send out 12 scouts, one from each tribe, to go check it out. So the scouts went out, 
They were gone 40 days. They came back with an amazing report. Let me just read a little bit of it to you. We came to the land to which you sent us. It is exceedingly good. It flows with milk and honey. This land that God has promised us is beautiful. It's the kind of place we have dreamed of all our lives. And we want to go back to Egypt. Right on the edge of the promised land, the Hebrew people stopped cold. And why? Because the scouts also brought back the report that there were some bad giants in the promised land. The report went on to say, the people who dwell in the land are strong. We were not able to go up against them. We seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. Giants in the land. There's even a report of a giant king named Og, whose bed measured 14 feet by 8 feet. Giants in the land. And so the scouts urged the people to turn around and go back into slavery. All of the scouts, except for two of them, two guys named Caleb and Joshua, and they had a different report. They'd seen the giants, but listen to what they said. This land which we spied out is an exceedingly good land, and if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. So, that's the scene in Kadesh Barnea. The, the Hebrew people had to make a choice. They had to follow the majority report or the minority report. And what did they do? They decided to go south. They decided to head back toward Egypt. Their fear of the giants was stronger than their yearning for the promised land. So they spent another 39 years wandering around in the wilderness. Now, I bet you can see where I am going with this. What are some Kadesh Barneas that maybe you and I are in at this moment? In what ways might you and I be looking at some northern road that leads up to some promised land, some fullness of life, promised to us by God. And then you see the big question, what might some giants be in our promised land? So, I mean, let's look at a few examples just for a moment. What if your promised land is accepting the job of being the dean at the Advent? I mean, you get to change your title from the reverend to the very reverend. I mean, how's that for a promised land? Um, when I became the dean of, at our cathedral, I told my mom uh, that my title changed to the very reverend, and she collapsed on the floor in hysterical laughter. So. <laughs> but if this is your promised land, you also get the privilege and the excitement of leading an amazing church into a new chapter of experiencing God's grace, of being a beacon for the saving love of Jesus for a broken world. I mean, golly. But there are some giants in that promised land. And in fact, we know the names of five of those giants. Brinkley, Larry, Paul, 
Frank, and Andrew, the last five clergy in the pantheon of mythic deans at the cathedral. Those guys had powerful faith. They could articulate it brilliantly. A lot of you here know that perfectly well. They had great leadership skills. I mean, the advent grew by leaps and bounds under their watch. I mean, who could ever measure up to those guys? <laughs> Giants in the land. Well, here's another example. What about Ben and Chelsea DeHart, his new bride? I mean, their promised land could not be more obvious. Unadulterated, 24-7, violins at every meal, total agreement on every issue, pure marital bliss for the next 50, 60, or 70 years. <laughs> but any, any married person here right now in this service who's been married for some years and who is in a good and healthy marriage would still be able to take Ben and Chelsea aside to tell them about just one or two little giants in that promised land of living with a spouse. Or what about Jay Gardner right over here? I mean, a lot of you don't yet know your brand new canon who's here. This is his very first Sunday here at the Advent. Oh, by the way, I should tell you uh, that um, at the 7.30 service, Jay was in the congregation, and it was communion, and I had the chalice. I haven't done the chalice in a long time. And also, your chalice has that little thing in it uh, for dipping. Um, and so it's all together. And somebody partway through handed me a new chalice that was really full. And Jay came and knelt down. And so I tipped it, and it all went on to Jay. Um, he will show you his cuff after the service that's got wine all over it. Thank goodness it was Jay and not <laughs> somebody with a beautiful white dress. Anyway, Jay's promised land um, is the privilege uh, of starting a new ministry in this amazing cathedral and with this wonderful clergy team. But the giants for Jay in this promised land well, I mean, as, you see, as you'll see when you meet him, Jay is about 15 years old. I mean, <laughs> I know Jay really well. He's terrific, but for crying out loud, I mean, he's going to be working with some grown-ups. Actually, I lied. Jay's 33, and he is wise beyond his years. But what about the rest of you and me? I mean, maybe your promised land is the possibility of some new love of one kind or another. The giant in that promised land, it's the old familiar giant of simply having your love rejected. Or maybe your promised land is having the freedom to just flat out say to somebody, I am sorry. The giant in that promised land getting a response of, I do not accept your apology. Maybe your promised land is the adventure of moving somewhere new and starting over, maybe in a new state or even in a new country. And the giant is that you get there and you don't know anyone and you're lonely and alone and even more, all the problems back where you came from 
turn out to have come along with you. Maybe your promised land is taking the risk of telling someone about what your faith in Jesus Christ means to you. And the giant in that land, it's a fear of being a fanatic, a fundamentalist. Um, I remember Paul Zoll saying that the best way to empty a room at a cocktail party is by saying, so I'm really excited about the doctrine of total depravity. Maybe your promised land is simply trusting God with simply living with some of the questions unanswered for the moment. That giant, and I really know that giant well, is a fear of not being in control. So with those illustrations and more that you're thinking of perhaps right at this moment, your Kadesh Barnea at the moment, Let's turn back to Joshua and Caleb's minority report. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the promised land. And the good news, as I said in my opening prayer, is that the word if has been deleted. The good news is that the minority report has become the majority report. The good news is that the love of the Son of God is stronger than the strength of the giants. I want to say it again. The good news is that the love of the Son of God is stronger than the strength of the giants. The good news is that in Jesus Christ there is the absolute assurance that the Lord delights in you and me. That's why Jesus is able to say in today's gospel, fear not, do not be afraid, little flock. Fear not, each one of you and me individually in our Kadesh Barneas right now. Fear not, Craig, and little flock at the advent. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your Father's good pleasure to guide you, to carry you, to lead you, to drag you kicking and screaming, if need be, into the promised land. Let me just quickly say that this kingdom Jesus is pointing us to is not the prosperity gospel. The kingdom that Jesus is talking about is no guarantee of earthly wealth and health. In fact... All of you know perfectly well what the kingdom is. All of you know perfectly well, down deep inside, what the promised land is. The promised land is love. The promised land is, as Paul Zoll, my dear brother, puts it, one-way love. The one-way love of the Son of God who loves you and me as we are. The promised land is the love of the Son of God that knows the absolute worst about us and forgives us absolutely. The promised land is the love of God that offers hope and peace in the very midst of the absolute worst that this world can dish out. Which is to say, the promised land is amazing grace.
So I want to close by telling you a little story about Amazing Grace. It's a story about a time many years ago when I preached a variation on this sermon about Kadesh Barnea. And at the 8 a.m. service, a friend of mine named Mark was the chalice bearer. And when it came time for the 10 o'clock service and sermon, Mark was outside the sanctuary in the hallway, and there was a speaker out there mounted on the wall so that you could hear the sermon. With Mark, there was a woman named Sarah, and both of them were in their early 50s. Years earlier, Mark had been a seminarian. He was studying to be an Episcopal priest. And during Christmas vacation of his senior year, his wife announced that she was leaving him for another man. And this was so devastating for my brother Mark that he left seminary and never went back. Also years earlier, Sarah had been married, but her husband had real addictions And Sarah gave birth to a child with significant special needs due in part to the addictions of her husband. And Sarah and her husband were divorced when their child was a baby. Now, all these years later, Mark and Sarah were finding that they really liked each other. In fact, they were receiving reports from some scouts that there was a kingdom that there was a promised land flowing with milk and honey that had to do with love and marriage. But can you imagine the giants in that promised land for them? The PTSD giants of betrayal and addiction. The giants of being vulnerable to getting your heart stomped on once again. I mean, those giants made Og look like small potatoes. In the hallway, Mark said to Sarah, let's stand here and listen to this sermon together. So they listened. The sermon ended. Mark turned to Sarah. He knelt down on one knee. He said, Sarah, will you marry me? And Sarah said, Yes. And Mark and Sarah have been learning over and over again through thick and thin all these years that the love of Jesus is stronger than the strength of the giants. After I preached this sermon at the 7.30 service this morning at the back of the church, some fellow said to me, what I do is I climb up on the cross to look those giants in the eye. Wow, what a great line. So I don't know what Kadesh Barnea's some of you might be in this morning. I do know that the giants in your promised land and mine are real. But I also know that you and I have a Savior. I know that our brother Craig has a Savior. Savior who's gone before Craig and all of us into those promised lands, a Savior who has already dealt with the giants on the cross and out of the empty tomb, 
a Savior who just delights in this little flock at the Advent, and a Savior whose hand is right here, right now, reaching out to take ours and to guide us into the kingdom, the kingdom of amazing grace. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.